Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. I hope everyone's had a great start to their 2022. You know, New Year, same cynical me, that's for sure. Jonas Nordman here, back at it, refreshed. It's that time of the year, it's January, where the cold weather and the chilly weather for most is now just annoying. Before it's like festive, white Christmas. Stay indoors, celebrate with your loved ones. Now it's, this is a little slushy. It's a little unbearable. This is a little annoying. Not me, not where I live. That is not a problem. Anywho, Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast home for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And here's what I believe. We'll touch on a little bit of what happened in Stillwater the other night. Quick little preview of Kansas versus Texas Tech. The road does not get any easier, quite literally, because Kansas starts its conference play, of course, after the postponement of the game against TCU. Uh, But the first two games of the year in the Big 12 for Kansas on the road, one in a place where Bill Stealth historically has struggled or at least never come away with an easy win at Oklahoma State at historic Gallagher-Iba Arena, which, for being so historic, barely draws a crowd anymore. And then, of course, tomorrow on Saturday the 8th, they hit the road and they go to Lubbock, the outpost of Big 12 play. They say many teams have gone to Lubbock, but not as many have returned. Hopefully Kansas Comes back in one piece. You can find me online to tell me about your New Year's resolutions. Instagram, JonasN310. Twitter, JoeNasty90. On top of the preview and the review, I don't know. I've got a statement to make about this team. I don't know how to feel about them. I really don't. This might be controversial. You may agree. One way or another, let me know. So let's get right to it. Of course, the big story to come out of The game against the Cowboys on Tuesday night was the fact that David McCormack, in Bill Self's eyes, you know, Big Mac had just done enough to not start anymore. Like Bill Self had seen enough. That's what I'm trying to get at. So out goes Dave, in goes Mitch Lightfoot, and I'm sitting there during that game, and that first half was a travesty. Final nine minutes, you know the story. Kansas goes on an 0 for 19. I believe that was the official word by the end of it. 0 for 19 streak, essentially leading to Oklahoma State, tying things up. It was 29-29 at halftime in a game where Kansas was clearly the better team. They end up winning by 11, outscoring. Well, of course, they had scored 
Oklahoma State by 11 in the second half, but 45 to 34. And uh, a couple things as I sit back here on a Friday, looking back at the rubble that was that game in Stillwater, and, and a few things have risen out of the ashes for me. One, I said it's New Year, same cynical me. I got to start with Bryce Thompson, the Kansas transfer who still had 23 minutes off of the bench for OSU. If you don't remember, the story is Bryce on the team last year on KU, the five-star recruit. It came down to Kansas. It came down to Oklahoma State. It was a reportedly a day of decision for his recruiting. I think his grandfather or his father is a former Jayhawk, or his grandpa is a Jayhawk. His dad played with Bill Self at Oklahoma State. And Bryce chose Kansas, had an injury-riddled year, could not shoot the three-ball worth a hoot, broke his hand at the game at Stillwater, somewhat ironically or coincidentally. And after last season, the way it felt to me, if you go from Kansas and you go within the Big 12 and you go to the team that was a very close 1B runner-up, it reeks of desperation and a guy who feels like he can't cut it. That's how I feel. He's more than welcome to come on the show and tell me otherwise. So he goes to Oklahoma State, and honestly, I thought he was poor. Or at the very least, I thought he was the exact same player that we saw at Kansas, which means that this year's iteration of the Jayhawks really isn't missing much. Seems like a nice kid. I hope the best for him. But this is a pro Kansas basketball show, and thinking of what's best for the team doesn't really seem like they're missing much. Still can't shoot the three. 0 for 2. In fact, on the night, he went 4 of 12, and it's exactly the same. Mid-range jumpers fade away at the free throw line. Nothing more, nothing less. Eight points. Nothing else doing. Although it was nice to see the handshakes in the line. I did not catch a moment between him and Bill Self, which is what I really wanted. But as the clock was winding down, he was in there in garbage time what was essentially garbage time. And he did make an effort to give uh, high fives to Abaji. I think it was Christian Brown out there on the court, but did not see the interaction with Bryce Thompson and Bill Self. Second observation for me coming out of this game is that I feel more vindicated than ever that Mike Boynton is one of, if not the most overrated coaches in America, certainly the Big 12. I've got a lot of vitriol. New year, new year, a lot of intensity. This is the guy that is often on lists of hot up-and-comers. This is a guy who shocked the world by recruiting Cade Cunningham, the future number one overall draft pick of the Detroit Pistons. We all know the story by now. His recruiting job was hiring Cade's brother to the coaching staff for Oklahoma State. Meanwhile, out there on the court, Oklahoma State didn't seem to have rhyme or reason on what they wanted to do. They played a lot of hero ball, a lot of one-on-one ball movement, non-existent. And for a team that the announcers were talking about as one of the fastest-paced teams in the nation, I'd like to get up and down the court. I felt like in this game against Kansas, they made a concerted effort to really slow things down and limit possessions, which was clearly not working to their favor as it was, as it was something that they were not used to. And I saw stagnant play. I saw a team in Oklahoma State. They got lucky that the other team missed 19 consecutive shots, and that was essentially the only reason that Oklahoma State stayed in that game. Mike Boynton 
hilariously overrated. I feel bad for them with their postseason ban, but let's be honest. They're not making the postseason regardless. Okay, so that's the slander of Oklahoma State out of the way. Other than that, you know what? They played hard enough, and they made it somewhat close in the ending moments by pressing. Kansas didn't handle the press well at all. But the story starts and ends essentially with Dave McCormack. Do I now sit here and say, oh, my goodness, Bill Self lit that fire under Dave McCormack, and they now have their X factor moving forward? No, I do not. What this is is a glowing example of what frustrates so or so much with David McCormack. Yes, we know he has this ability. He is a chiseled specimen out there on the basketball court, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. But guess what? His 17 points and his 15 rebounds, that right there the other night, That was his career high in rebounds. It's taken him all of these years. And in January of 2022 of, I believe, his senior season, he just got his career high in rebounds. So, yeah, he lit the fire in him for one night. Let's see what happens tomorrow or Saturday. Because it's not ability. It's not physical acumen. It's consistency. So we'll see. The thing with Lightfoot and starting Mitch Lightfoot, clearly just a a ploy and a device. How do I figure? Well, Lightfoot started, and the idea is, and the quote was, yeah, Mitch has got to play more. Dave's shown what he's given us this year. We're going to play Mitch more. And you know what? When the going got tough, Bill Self didn't turn back to Mitch Lightfoot. There were points during that 0 for 19 streak, and David McCormack, despite his great line for the evening, was launching no-pass jumpers from the top of the of the key. And Bill never went back to Lightfoot. So even though this was, quote-unquote, Mitch's time to shine, essentially, Bill rode with McCormack. And because of that, it seems pretty clear that if Dave doesn't start again, you know, he's still going to play the lion's share of the minutes regardless. And frankly, and there's a lot of stuff on Twitter illustrating this a lot better than what I'm going to, but defensively, Kansas was 100 times better with McCormack in there because they didn't have to double down in the post because Mitch Lightfoot, for the thousandth time, is the size of a guard playing center. So against real athletic bigs in the Big 12, Kansas had to double down in the post, leaving people wide open. They made a lot of mistakes. And once Big Mac came in, single coverage, Those mistakes were alleviated. No problemo. So that's that's sort of the gist. Kansas scores 74 on a night when they don't score for nine minutes of of a half. Big-time offensive squad. I'm not going to doubt that. Abaji and Brown, the dynamic duo, 16 and 15 respectively. Abaji hampered by foul trouble in the second half. I found that to be a very interesting moment when he picked up that fourth foul. How would the team respond? And again, that was still relatively up for grabs. And that's when Remy Martin finally put on his big boy shooting pants and made all three of his field goals. Attempted one shot in the first half, ended up with seven points. You could argue that you could tell that the lingering hip issue 
was a problem for Remy. Remember, he had sat out the previous game before this Big 12 opener. Wasn't really driving, wasn't getting into the teeth of a defense, more just hovering around the three-point line, which is pretty good evidence of a guy who doesn't want to bang bodies. But once Ochai went out, Remy took over. And yet here we are on January 7th, Remy Martin still trying to figure out his way through this team, which I think is a, is a problem. And I'll get to that right now. Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. So KU starts off 1-0 in conference play for like the bazillionth year in a row, which is actually pretty remarkable. <laughs> Obviously, that's a exaggeration of the bazillionth, but the streak that they're on, I believe 31 in a row, something like that. Look, Kansas has not had a vintage squad every single year amongst these many decades, but to still start 1-0 in conference play for that long, pretty remarkable. It goes a long way to show why they generally win the Big 12, and they needed to because this is a tough conference once again. Let me know your thoughts about what happened at Oklahoma State. But here comes my relatively controversial statement. So I think there's a lot of positivity about this Kansas squad right now, certainly online. Uh, Joe Lunardi just came out with his bracketology. KU has now moved up into the one line. They are a one seed alongside Baylor. Joe Lunardi's one seeds are Baylor, Gonzaga, Duke, and Kansas. That's fine. Probably, probably deserve that. I think people feel pretty good. I've seen... Oh, how would this team do against the 2020 squad? Of course, the team that didn't get the opportunity to play for a title. Azubuki, Dotson, you know the drill. Personally, I think the 2020 squad would wipe the floor with this team. And that's because I am not sold really at all by this Jayhawks iteration. I'm not. Now, part of that might be because they don't have a quality win yet on their ledger. Yes, they have the Michigan State win in the Champions Classic, and I believe Michigan State has come back to life in recent weeks, but I still feel strongly that that is a mediocre Spartans team. Otherwise, all I've seen from this Kansas team, save like the UTEP game, and like the second half of the, uh, not the Stephen F. Austin game. That was a tough one. It's escaping my mind right now who they played right after Stephen F. Austin. Of course, here we go. Pull it up. Uh, the Nevada game when they pulled away. This feels like a team that plays down to their competition. In which case, they rarely look like world beaters, right? They have the tough loss to Dayton. But I don't know. I watched this team and it doesn't quite feel right. It's now midseason. They've had their cupcakes. They've had a few Power Five games Michigan State, St. John's. They played Mizzou, who's barely an excuse of a program. Played Nevada. And then, of course, there's the George Mason game coached by former Mizzou great Kim English, which, frankly, I thought Kansas didn't come out with a lot of shine out of that game. George Mason wasn't that great. 
I think part of the issue is Remy Martin is still trying to find himself, but I, I sort of just mentioned this a second ago. It's January 7th. It's the second half of the season. Kansas should have played two conference games by now. Yes, they didn't play the Colorado game. They didn't play the Harvard game, and they didn't play TCU, but they did schedule. They did make it up with Nevada and George Mason. They've had some games. This is the second half of the year, and Remy Martin still does not know where he fits in this team. I think that's a problem. Because the schedule is not going to let up for them. This is something that needed to be figured out against Stephen F. Austin, not barely beating them. This is something that needed to be figured out against Missouri and UTEP. Because it's at number 25, Texas Tech. A good, solid program with good players who may or not may or may not play. I'll, I'll let you in about that in just a second. Then they host number 11, Iowa State. Then they host West Virginia. Not ranked. You know how things go against the Mountaineers, though. And looming in the distance on February 5th, after, again, they've played Texas Tech a second time, as well as Kentucky and Iowa State, is number one Baylor and then Texas. Baylor has answered my question. Is this a program? Has Scott Drew turned them into a perennial blue chip program? It sure seems like it. So I don't, I don't feel right about this Kansas team quite yet. I really don't. I haven't overly enjoyed watching them, to be honest. I think a lot of that, look, it's not because of style. They're an up-and-down, fast-breaking, try-to-get-turnovers and get the open-court team. I enjoyed watching the 2020 team, which was slow-paced, defense-first. They played close games. But I don't know. I think it's been really fun to see Abaji blossom into this guy who potentially could be drafted mid-first round now. Potential first-team All-American. I don't know. I mean, that'll be tough. Potential Big 12 Player of the Year. That's been awesome. You love to see a program guy grow. But I don't know. Look, seasons and the way you think about a team, it's basically conference season makes or breaks that. So I'm easily convinced. But I think if you've listened to the show long enough, you know I usually see things through crimson and blue glasses. And I don't know. I'm still waiting for that aha moment for this team. And a lot of that might be because of the lack of quality that they've played so far. If they go through this stretch of Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Iowa State unscathed or certainly with three wins or maybe two and one with the loss at Lubbock this weekend, which would be unfortunate, you know, maybe I'll feel a little bit differently. If like if they light the house on fire in Lubbock but still lose, you know, it is what it is. But so far, I, I don't – this doesn't feel like a championship team to me. There, I said it. Easily convinced, though. I really am easily convinced. And as I'm thinking here, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, you know, but that 2020 squad, we had the opportunity. We saw them play that classic against Dayton. Like, we knew we had that within that squad. And it had you feeling a lot better about them. 
Anywho, quick preview. Let's talk about what's to come against Texas Tech, 3 p.m. Central Time. I believe it's on the Big 12 Network, a.k.a. ESPN Plus streaming. For Texas Tech, you basically have to worry about one guy. One guy. And that's Kevin McCuller, a guy who leads the Red Raiders in points per game, rebounds, assists, and steals. He's averaging 13 and a half as well as six rebound or points to rebounds. But here's the problem with Kevin. We're past the holiday season, so let's all put our hands to the side of our face. Go, Kevin! Like Home Alone. He may not play. Texas Tech is in a heap of trouble when it comes to their roster right now. They just took on Iowa State, and they had seven players available. So when asked about what his roster is going to look like for this game, coach Mark Adams quote said, I'm curious as well. Uh Oh, now with McCuller, it's not a case of health and safety protocols. He suffered an injury in Tuesday's practice and he was unable to play against Iowa state and the rest of the team. Health and safety protocols. Now, if you listen to our Big 12 previews at the beginning of the season, you know that it doesn't matter what happens with the rest of this segment. There's only one player that matters when it comes to Texas Tech. And that's my guy, Adonis Arms. Heck yeah. He is, I believe, cleared to play. He played in that game against Iowa State, which means unless he's come into contact with someone and tested positive, we are all clear for Adonis Arms, baby. Woo! Maybe that's why I haven't been as jazzed up. It's because I've been waiting all day for Adonis Arms. If you, if you did miss it in the Big 12 previews at the beginning of the year, oh, yeah. The Arms are Adonis-like. Not like Chet Holmgren on <laughs> on Gonzaga. All right. So if nothing else, tune in for Adonis. Stay for what could be a pretty good basketball game. Haven't found a line on this game, but KU should be a slight favorite. Maybe it's a pick game since Texas Tech is hosting out there on the plains of West Texas. But enjoy the game. Have a great weekend, everybody. Should be an interesting one. Uh, obviously, Mac McClung is no longer with the Texas Tech Red, Raider, Red, Red Raiders. Wow. He was essentially the guy that kept him in the games last year. And you know how things go. Texas Tech, rough and tumble. They don't suck anymore. They are a pain in the tush. And Mark Adams is a guy who sat on the bench with Chris Beard. So he knows the system. He knows what they're all about. So enjoy it. Hopefully, it's fun in the sense that it's low stress, something that KU hasn't really given to us the last couple games, to be honest, especially that George Mason game, and especially when they were breaking everything. Good Lord, just make a few shots. That's all we're asking for. It'll be interesting to see if Big Mac starts again. My guess is, yeah, probably. So take care, stay vigilant. It is crazy out there right now, huh? Wow. What a time to be alive. All right, everyone. Wash your hands, whatever. 
I bid you adieu. Have a great weekend. And as always, rock Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.